0: everyone welcome in to the bt powerhouse podcast as always my name is thomas Bendit. i am your host and manager of bt powerhouse uh we have a fun topic today we're going to be hitting on iowa um i will i will warn our listeners this is we're recording this in the very very early morning so if i sound like i i just uh um You know, I'm coming down with a massive sickness. Uh, It's just the early morning, so um, no need to panic (laughs) about the podcast. Um, But as I mentioned, we're we're breaking down a a pretty interesting team this year, uh, and that will be the Iowa Hawkeyes. And to help us break it down, we have uh, Jerome from our own site. Um, Jerome, how's it going?
1: I'm good, Thomas. Good morning. Got my coffee. I'm ready to go
0: oh man yeah i need some coffee i uh i didn't wake up in time to make some <laughs> but uh yeah yeah we're we're recording this early so our our very early morning listeners uh will uh definitely relate but um but yeah yeah jerome um you know obviously this is uh going to be a pretty wild year for iowa um you know they're losing a lot but they're gaining a lot a lot of new faces um What's kind of the general feeling among Iowa fans? You know, where are our expectations at? Um, what do people kind of predict for this season?
1: I think everybody's coming into the season with the general consensus that this is Fran McCaffrey's second stint, his second act. We need to see what he can do now with a roster that's entirely built up of these athletic freaks that all seem to be six foot seven to six foot nine in range and can do a plethora of different things. Um, I'm anticipating what I keep calling positionless basketball, where um, a guy like Christian Williams could be the point guard, but he can also go and play the small forward. Uh, somebody like Isaiah Moss, who should be able to fill it up, he's going to go be able to play the point guard and maybe even a little bit of a small ball four type role. Um, it, it's really exciting to see this team, or it's going to be exciting to see this team and what they're able to do. Um, it's going to be fast. It's going to be up pace. Not sure that there's going to be a lot of shooting. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's, you know, Iowa fans are really excited to kind of see what this team will look like and what the future of Iowa basketball holds with rosters like these.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, a season that I think a lot of people are going to kind of view as a, a sign of things to come, whether that's good or bad. But, uh, but yeah, before, before we kind of jump into this year uh, at first, um, why don't we touch on last year a little bit? Um, you know, the, the big things for Iowa, you know, they get off to that racing hot start. Um, you know, they start 16 and three seven and Oh, big 10 play. They, they get a season sweep over Purdue, a season sweep over Michigan state, a home win over Michigan. Um, and then the wheels kind of come off. Uh, first, what, what do you kind of make of last year, um, as an Iowa fan? And second, uh, what happened in the end of the year? Because, um, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, just break down the record here, but pretty much from mid-February on, they're well below uh, 500. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? What do you make of last year, and what kind of happened to lead to that collapse?
1: It it was definitely one of the more successful seasons, maybe even the most successful seasons in probably a decade for Iowa Hoops. Um, Like you said, that that start of the season, um, it was one of these weird roller coaster rides we had just gotten off – the football season where we go 12-0, and 0, then go to the Rose Bowl. So um, we were definitely on a high. Um, and that was probably all encapsulated in that, that nine-game winning streak that lasted over a month with what you talked about. We swept Michigan State. We swept Purdue. Um, Iowa basketball was just – it was exciting. It was fun. I like Jared Utah just seemed like any shot that he was going to take, he was going to make. Um, but you're right, down the stretch, things – started happening. I think what, what truly ended up happening is that those four seniors plus Peter Jock, um, they just got tired. I, I really – I truly, truly believe that the – you know, Fran McCaffrey's didn't really believe in the Iowa bench to the extent that he might have – he should have earlier in the, in the Big Ten schedule. Um, and I think just guys like Utah and Peter Jock got a little burnt out. Um, I think a lot of the offensive – responsibilities fell on them night in and night out. And when defenses were bending to stop those two guys, um, things got difficult and got a little tiresome. And I think the, the inability to have somebody fresh off the bench really, really hurt them. It also hurt too for a guy like Dale Jones who got hurt earlier in the season. Um, he could have been a huge help off the bench to to help that starting five. But, um, you know, he's back this season fully healthy. But, yeah, I just think people got tired.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable, reasonable take. Um, You know, especially looking at Utah's, you know, he plays 78.2 percent of team minutes, you know, an absolutely absurd uh, usage rate. You know, as everyone remembers uh, last year for Iowa. Um, And and one thing I should note, at least to be fair, is, uh, you know, I talked about kind of that that second half collapse, um, you know, they start losing. You know, one one thing that should be noted is a lot of those games were either on the road or against you know big time competition. You know, two of those losses are against Indiana, who wins the Big Ten. One's on the road to Maryland, who makes the Sweet Sixteen, and then of course the NCAA tournament loss is to national champion Villanova. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, personally, I thought uh, I felt pretty good about where Iowa sat uh, NCAA tournament seeding wise last year, but you know you draw Villanova who goes on just an unbelievable tear uh you know just kind of bad luck there <laughs> um so no, it, it's absolutely. hard yeah so it's hard to criticize too much there but um you know certainly not every loss was like that though you know you lose to Ohio a pretty mediocre Ohio state team there's losses to Illinois and Penn State so it was kind of in between but i should i thought i should at least note a lot of those losses did come to uh to quality competition um but but, of course, that was last year. You know, we're moving into this season. Um, so, obviously, that team, or Iowa in general, the roster got absolutely smashed this off season. You know, you're talking about losing what I, I want to say four starters here, um, some key bench players. Uh, Iowa sees two transfers as well. Um, not necessarily from huge contributors, but, you know, adding that on top of the four starters, the senior starters departing. Um, first off, uh, how massive are these, uh, departures and is this the kind of thing you think that is going to derail Iowa, even, even if they find some decent guys, just cause there are just so many guys leaving.
1: No, it, I don't know if it's going to derail Iowa, but it's definitely a, a massive <laughs> exodus. Um, you have even going to a guy like Adam Woodbury, who I know is a punchy bag around the big 10. he was the anchor to that Iowa defense for Fran McCaffrey. Everything that Iowa was on defense was in big part because they knew that Adam was going to be able to guard the rim. He's going to be able to take on one of those big, big 10 power forwards and he was going to be able to do his thing down in the post. Um, Losing a guy like Mike Gazelle, he he was everything that Fran McCaffrey likes in a point guard. Um, He did all the small things and he was the bulldog out there. Sweaty Mikey was unbelievable every single time that ball went up in the air and it might not have come in the stat line, so that dude just tried so hard, and it's going to be leadership like that that they're going to miss a lot this season, um, especially with a roster that's just chock full of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores. Um, outside of that, the transfers, I mean, it happens. I, we didn't really get to see much from those guys. Um, I think the kids that Fran McCaffrey was able to bring in this season um, is going to easily trump those, you know, the contributions that we probably would have seen from them. Um, but yeah, losing four starters that were also four seniors is definitely tricky, especially in the big 10.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. I mean, if if you just go by raw minutes, which I know is a sometimes misleading stat, but um, total minutes last year, I was going to lose number one, number two, number three, and number five on the roster. So four of your top five players, including the three top guys. Now, Again, that may be misleading here, or there, but that is a ton of minutes uh, leaving. Now, the one good thing Iowa has is they're leaving a team that was, you know, pretty good last year. You know, they make the NCAA tournament, they win a first round game. Uh, Ken Palm had them 22 nationally, so this is a good roster. You know, obviously, you'd prefer to lose guys off a good roster than a struggling one. Um, you know, for instance, maybe a Nebraska or or something like that this year. But uh, yeah, I mean. I think no matter how much how you break it down, uh, the losses are pretty massive. You know, you're losing top scorer, top rebounder, or uh, top assist guy, uh, a lot of guys out the door. Um, so it, it's going to be a very challenging job for, uh, for Fran McAfee this year. Um, but of course, with loss uh, comes the new faces and Iowa is bringing in a pretty significant group of newcomers. Uh, including arguably, I, w- I want to say, one of the best recruits in years um, from Tyler Cook. But they're bringing in a uh, five-person recruiting class, some decent depth guys, guys who, who look like they can project into something long-term. Um, what, do you, what do you make of Iowa's uh, incoming group this year? And who do you think has a chance to, to work their way into the starting lineup?
1: Uh, right off the bat, you're right. Tyler Cook is probably the biggest haul of that class. And like you said, he's, he's got really high expectations already. And the best part of that is McCaffrey's not even trying to downplay those at this point Uh, during big 10 media day. McCaffrey was literally quoted saying he probably has the highest ceiling and thinks he's capable of being a star. Um, You know, McCaffrey's probably had some hyperbole in his past, but the fact that he's already raving about what Tyler Cook can do as a true freshman, um, has got me excited, and I'm basically ready to appoint him as the Big Ten God this year. I, I'm so excited <laughs> to see Tyler Cook just go off. Um, he's even called himself a Batman, or Batman in uh, media days. So it, it's been fantastic to kind of watch him um, throw up videos of himself shooting in an open gym to get people excited. I, I mean, that's kind of where we're at with, <laughs> with Tyler Cook. Like, we're just ready to watch <laughs> him play. Um, outside of him, Jordan Bohannon, yes, one of those other Bohannon brothers Um, He comes in as well. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how many minutes he ends up taking away from Christian Williams at the starting point guard position. Um, I think he's going to be integral by the time we get to the Big Ten schedule, if only because I just, like I said before, I don't see much shooting on this team. And if Bohannon's able to come in there and hit from three-point range at an efficient clip, it's going to be able to keep, keep those driving lanes, those passing lanes open for a guy like Christian Williams um, somebody like Peter Jock, and to get you know the defensive pressure out of the lane for somebody like even Tyler Cook and Ahmad Wagner. Um, so those are those are the probably the big two out of the 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 big haul that we're getting uh, from the recruiting class. Uh, there's some buzz going around with Cordell Pencil and Ryan Kreiner as well. Uh, Kreiner, I think, is apparently somewhat of a uh, a stretch big man. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to kind of see what those two can offer as well because depth as far as big men go um is kind of down um I, I know fran really likes him deploying dom mule as like a backup center type deal but um if quarter pence and ryan kreiner can come off the bench as true freshman and provide anything too um i think this is going to be a really exciting young iowa basketball team
0: mm-hmm. and i it does bear uh here um you know Daly obviously iowa was not the only school to recruit him at one point you know he he's Looks like he's going to be heading to Rutgers. Uh, Does it concern you at all that he was recruited so heavily by Rutgers?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anything that's touched by Rutgers concerns me, and I tell that to the saleswoman I work with every day. So
0: (laughs) she's from (laughs) Rutgers.
1: I don't know how she ended up here.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree with you as far as the recruiting guys go. You know, Cook is obviously the guy who's going to turn heads this year. Um, I don't, I don't think I had him on my, you know, I might've had him on my all big 10 freshman uh, prediction list, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be one of the top big 10 freshmen this season. I certainly think he will earn a starting spot early on, um, this season, if not from day one, um, the rest of the class, I, I don't think is his prime to get playing time. Um, but You know, with such a a, a thin depth chart, I guess, uh, with Iowa this year, I certainly expect several of those guys to get in there. Um, I I think, uh, you know, Kreiner's going to be interesting to watch. Bohannon will be interesting to watch as well um, in a kind of mixed backcourt, uh, relatively speaking. But um, I like this group long-term, and I think McCaffrey's shown very well that that he can develop sort of those three-star guys who – aren't necessarily stars from day one into stars though, over their career. So I'll be, I'll be excited to watch this class, but I definitely, I, I think Cook's the guy, so the guy to watch. But with that, um, why don't, why don't we get into the team uh, <laughs> instead of the the losses and the um, additions here. Um, let's start with the backcourt uh, last year, you know, stacked backcourt, you got uh gazelle, you got Clemens, you got yuck. Um, what what do you expect out of the backcourt this year, um, and who do you kind of see taking over the spots there?
1: I think Christian Williams obviously is primed to start right now in um, Mikey's stead at the point guard position. Um, he's a 200 pounds athlete that can defend really well, and he can defend multiple positions. So I think that's what's going to give him the upper hand on the guy like Bohannon um, right off the jump. Um, I think McCaffrey's really going to trust what he's able to do on the defensive end. And he he's shown that he's able to make plays offensively. Um, the jumper's kind of broken, but when he's able to be a slasher when he gets rid of the ball to somebody like Jock, um, I, I think that he's going to be able to come in and get the job done and run the point guard the way McCaffrey wants it to be run. Um, the cool thing, too, is I think he's going to be able to lead the break pretty well. Um, he's just one of those, those freak athletes outside of that you know is Peter Jock going to play shooting guard this year is he going to take more minutes up at the small forward you know I'm not really sure yet uh I think a guy like Isaiah Moss can easily play point guard shooting guard or small forward too um and it all really just it depends on what McCaffrey's saying in practice this roster is so fresh and so new and there's so much that we haven't even seen as fans, as the media, as
0: writers, as bloggers.
1: Um, it's hard to even gauge what's going on in the backcourt. But I think the lock for sure is Christian Williams. Um, Peter Jock's definitely probably going to play some two. And from there, it's going to be a pleasant surprise to see who steps up after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, uh, I definitely think one of the more interesting uh, things in the backcourt will obviously be uh, where Jock plays. Um, does he slide to the two? Does he slide to the three? Um, it'll be interesting to see where Iowa and McCaffrey, um, decide to put him, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Williams is going to lock down that role, but I think if there's a spot, the newcomers are going to kind of show up. Uh, I kind of expect it here because I, I think Iowa has a pretty deep group on the wing and up front, um, in terms of returner guys. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so it, it should be interesting about to, to watch. Um, but with that, why don't we jump to the wing here? Uh, last year, this was the, you know, the strength of Iowa's team. Nobody could really match up with uh, you know, Utah Jacks. Um, what do you expect out of this group, and who are the guys to watch?
1: I'm really excited to see what Nicholas Baer can be now. Um, he was a walk-on last year. He had some flashes of brilliance, especially for those with um, uh, short-term memory. Villanova, he was probably one of the only few players that actually showed up and played well. Um, against the defending champion or the national champions. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. He's on scholarship now. He's another one of those six, seven, 200 pounds, can do a little bit of everything type guys. Um, he He's definitely got to work on his jump shot. He's got to be able to open up some sort of passing lanes um, for the guys that are, you know, in front of him a little bit there. I also – I want to see if Omar Wagner is going to play more minutes at three um, to finish the season last year. That's where he was getting a majority of his minutes. Uh, the off season, a lot of stuff has come out saying that he has kind of developed a jumper. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually do that. I, I'm not sure if that jumper is is long uh, for the Big Ten play. Uh, he's more of like a bash brother, somebody can get in there and rebound a little bit. But if he can play on the wing and play some of the four. Uh, going to do wonders for this Iowa team to just open up more playing time for a guy like Dale Jones who could spread it out too. Uh, a guy like Isaiah Moss has been getting so much cred from former players that I've spoken with. Apparently during practices he would just go off. Um, his ability to score from anywhere on the court, he's a filler up you know, type of guy. Once he's out there and he gets hot, uh, there's really just no stopping him. So there's just there's a plethora of guys that are on this team, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, that are going to be jockeying for, for minutes. And I think whoever has the hotter hand in that moment in time that can also play uh, the defensive style that McCaffrey wants is going to get a, a majority of those minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me that I was always so amazed about last year is I felt like uh, Bear was the, like, Big Ten's hidden secret. Um, nobody talked about him, but the dude can play and yes, all can. off, yeah, all off season. I feel like everyone is just like, Oh, Iowa's got nobody in on the wing, nobody who can go except Jack. And I totally disagree. Um, I think Bear is an absolute good potential starter for Iowa this year. I think he's going to get a ton of minutes. Um, do I think he's going to be on the All-Big Ten team or something? No, I don't I don't think that. But um, when you're looking at Iowa's returners, um, Bear looks like a good, solid starter to me in the Big Ten. And I realize he – oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to agree with you. He's one of those guys that does everything well but nothing great. So you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's ever going to be a Big Ten player, but he's definitely going to be one of those fan favorites because of his hustle, because of the rebounds that he gets, um, he'll knock down, you know, a couple important shots when he's left wide open, and, you know, every once in a while he gets get to the rim and throw down a pretty nasty dunk, and you're just like, did he really just do that? Is that, is that Nicholas Bear from Fendorf, <laughs> Iowa?
0: Um, yeah, and I mean, the, the other interesting thing about that, too, is, you know, for a team with this much di- diversity, and I'm talking in terms of guys who can play multiple spots, um, you know, McCaffrey can move him around if needed, um, and I, I think, you know, when you have a guy who can rebound or he can shoot um, or he can defend to an extent, I, I think that's really valuable um, for a team like this, that's so young and you don't necessarily know where the starters are going to come from. Uh, you know, it, it's just such an unclear picture, you know, having a guy like that, who, in my opinion, is a going to be a solid big 10 starter uh, is really valuable, but, so, obviously, I think he's going to lock down a spot. Um, I, I think Tyler Cook will as well. Um, I really like his game. You know, I, I talked about him earlier in the recruiting section. Um, but I, I think he's going to get a lot a starting spot. I think he's going to thrive. Um, I, I think he'll be one of the, the biggest guys to get Iowa fans excited about this season and beyond. But
1: Yes. Uh, and and yeah. <laughs> to go off that, there was a scrimmage the other day where it kind of seems like it was Christian Williams, Peter Jock, Nicholas Bear, Dale Jones, and Tyler Cook were the quote-unquote starters. Now, granted, it's a scrimmage, but I I think you'd agree in the fact that I can see McCaffrey trusting that starting five to start Um, Mm. and and then running with them just until some of those freshmen or some of those redshirt freshmen really show that they grasp and understand this offense and defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think it's going to be a growing uh, issue, but but I definitely – I think that lineup's more than capable of making some noise in the Big Ten. You know, maybe not winning it, but (laughs) making some noise. Um, But with that, why don't we jump into the last positional group here, and and that's up front. Uh, What do you expect up front? You know, Captain Insano himself, Adam Woodbury, uh, graduated last year. So, unfortunately, we don't get any more eye-poking, at least we think. But uh, what, what do you make of this group, and how emotionally traumatizing is it? to not have an eye poker on Iowa's roster anymore?
1: First of all, Nigel Hayes <laughs> ran into Adam Woodbury's hands. He's not an eye poker. But, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I was definitely a big Adam Woodbury supporter last year. It's going to be weird not seeing him um, kind of just chug up and down the court anymore, um, getting these weird, like, sliding positions in the post and trying to make a layup. Um, you know, RIP to that. But Tyler Cook. Again, he's, he's going to take over that position. I, I think all eyes are going to be on him. Uh, I keep calling Tyler Cook and Ahmad Wagner the Bash brothers uh, just because those two on the block frighten me. Uh, Ahmad Wagner looks like he played tight in the NFL right now, and Tyler Cook, like I said, he might be Batman for real. Um, outside of that, Dale Jones comes back and is apparently 100% healthy. He's one of those guys that can literally stretch you out. Uh, he can play four or five. Um, I trust him when he's over in the short corner. I think he's going to be able to make some threes and open some things up offensively, and you know, he's just one of those guys that's been the program. He understands what's going on, and he's one of those leaders with Jock. Um, there's also Dom Ewell, who, I mean, if you can tell me what or who he is at this point in his career, I- I'd be glad to listen. Uh, I still don't know. There's been flashes where you're like, wow, this kid can do a lot of good things. Granted, he's, he's only been playing basketball for a couple of years, but He's just kind of in this, doing this floaty dance around. And sometimes he looks fantastic and he deserves more minutes. And other times he just looks like a lost deer just out there. Like he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. Um, Outside of that, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see who can actually step up and earn some more minutes out of the freshmen. And it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a, a fluid construct for McCaffrey on all of these positions. But I think outside of Cook, Ahmad Wagner, Don and Dale Jones, there probably isn't much, you know, time left beyond those four.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, up front, it I, I think you hit it on the, the head. It, it, it's really hard to, to expect anything or at least anticipate anything. I, I think you're going to have a decent group of relatively young guys here, or at least, inexperienced guys, um, but no idea how that rotation is going to work out. I think there are options. It's just I, I don't know if they're good options. I don't know if they're bad <laughs> options. yet. Um, but uh, I, I do think there'll be options. But um, before we jump into some of the schedule stuff and beyond, um, how do you how do you see, I guess, from point guard to center, how do you see the starting lineup shaking out for the
1: season? I think just going off from McCaffrey's past in the last couple of years, I think the – the most sensible lineup by the time Big Ten rolls around, at least in my head. Um, I think it's something where it's Christian Williams that's you know, as the the quote-unquote point guard, I do think, you know, Peter will end up taking a lot of the ball handling opportunities away from him just to get the ball rolling in the offense. But I think it's be Christian Williams. I like Jordan Bohannon, that Anthony Clemens type shooting guard role where it's just another point guard in the off ball, but he can also shoot and open some things up. From there, I have Peter Jock as a small forward. Um, I probably Dale Jones just for the senior leadership in the starting lineup at the four, and then Tyler Cook at the five. And I think that rotation of players can intertwine. Like Christian Williams can go and guard the shooting guard on, you know, the opposing team, and Bohannon can take the point guard. Um, Peter can just be all over the floor doing whatever he can do to score, and then Dale Jones and Tyler Cook can kind of just intermingle a little bit too. But I like the way that offense in my mind looks and I like the way that they can defensively match up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I'd have a ton of differences there. I, I do think I would probably push uh cook to the four. And I, I think one of those, you know, a Dale Jones or, you know, uh Ewell's one of those guys is going to rotate in five. Not really sure who I'm figuring yet, just because as I mentioned, I, I think it's just so, uh, Vague um, as to who's going to emerge from that group, but I, I think Absolutely. that's the only change I, I would have. But other than that, I, I think I'm pretty similar as far as the starting lineup. But but with that, why don't we get to some of the fun stuff here? Um, and let's start. Let's start with the schedule. Um, Iowa kind of had a mixed non-conference schedule last year. This year, the difficulty is going to be ratcheted up a lot, uh, which may may or may not be welcomed uh, for Iowa fans this year. Um, But you're talking about a matchup with Virginia, a matchup with Notre Dame, uh, on the road. Uh, You know, you get Iowa State, uh, Northern Iowa in the the traditional games, Um, and then a Seton Hall game as well, just during non-conference play. Um, First off, what do you make of the non-conference schedule this year? And uh, did Iowa get a little bit too ambitious here with some of these uh, schedulings?
1: I'm pretty excited about the non-conference just because we're going to be able to see what this Iowa team can do pretty quickly. I do like that right off the bat, three of the four games are against Kennesaw State, Savannah State, and UT Rio Grande Valley. Um, those three right there should be able to build yes. up some confidence for a lot of the new guys. Um, you hopefully win you know, all three of those games. In between Savannah State and UT Rio, um, yes, they got to go play Seton Hall. It's at home in Iowa City. Um, obviously, last year they lost Isaiah Whitehead. They're still returning quite a few players and going to be, a, you know, a really tough team to take out. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be cool to see what Iowa can do against a team like that who won the Big East. Then um, they're definitely on the way up with that program. Virginia, yeah, I mean they shouldn't fall off much even though they lost Brogdon. I think Ken Palm has them ranked as they're, you know, seventh currently. That game might be a disaster, but if Iowa find some way to shoot and score, we know Virginia doesn't really do that in waves or bunches. You know, they're trying to win a game like Wisconsin does, where it's 49-42 and they just get out of Iowa City, um, or actually at the neutral site. But from there, you know, Iowa really only does have one true road game against Notre Dame. So I guess in that sense, their whole goal should be getting out of that entire non-con schedule with a 10 and 3 record. Um, thrown in there, too. They, they're they going to have to play either Providence or Memphis in the Emerald Coast Classic, mm-hmm. um, which will be decided soon. But if I can get out of that 10-3, and three, I think that's a pretty strong start for a team that is so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It, it, it's definitely, you know, I, I will say outside of the Virginia game, I, I think every game is winnable, you know, especially with a lot of the premier games coming at home. Um with that said, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, Iowa State, I'm sure, is going to be solid this year. Seton Hall is going to be solid. Um, Northern Iowa, I mean, uh, I think at this point we should we should stop uh, <laughs> underrating uh, what they're going to Don't do. Don't
1: underrate Northern Iowa. Is-
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you look at those three alone, and if you're thinking like, okay, if we can make it out of these with with even just two losses of those two, um, you're doing okay. And then, you know, the Virginia game, obviously, uh, I think it would be pretty shocking to see Iowa pull out that one and you kind of have to change ex- season expectations if they can win that one. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's an intriguing schedule. There's a lot of notable matchups. I, I think I will be tested, but if they can come out with three losses or less you have to feel decent about the team. Um, certainly if, if you're hoping for an NCAA tournament this year, I think you got to certainly be hoping for at least, uh, well, I guess, uh, two losses or less, uh, in this slate, but it should be interesting. Um, moving into big 10 play, obviously most people know, you're, you know, you're going to play everyone. You're going to play a couple teams twice. Um, I, I think Iowa actually got a pretty balanced schedule this year. There's a lot of home and away rotation, you know, they're not going to have any five game road trip or something. Um, but things will start off with a bang. You know, they start at Purdue, Michigan at home, at Nebraska, um, and then you know the classic uh, home matchup against Rutgers. But uh, I, I think you know those first three games will be telling. Um, what what do you make of this Big Ten slate? Um, and are there any is there anything that pops out to you?
1: It's it's an extremely reasonable Big Ten schedule. I think um, when it came out, I remember thinking to myself like this. It's like the, the gods want us to get to the NCAA tournament again.
0: Um, I think
1: it's extremely doable. Um, if you look at it, yes, we go to Purdue right away, but after that, Iowa doesn't have a road game against what we would probably consider a Big Ten top-tier talent at this point until the middle of February when they have to go to Michigan State. Uh, that in and of itself, I like our odds and like the chances of this young team getting a, you know, like I said, getting good ten. Hopefully, 11 wins in the non-conference schedule, and then rolling into this Big Ten this Big Ten season. Um, they have the opportunity to really. I think eight wins are probably that would be underselling what this Iowa team should be able to do. Um, I can talk myself into 10 wins, but I think that's what Penn Pom even has. They had a nine and nine Big Ten schedule, puts them about seventh in the conference, and I think that's going to be able to hopefully put them right on that, that NCAA tournament bubble when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and one thing, you know, I, I do think at least bears mentioning a little bit too is that, uh you know, if if you buy into, you know, PT Powerhouse's preseason predictions, which is always a questionable, you know, move at best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but what seriously looks like the top four Big Ten teams this year are Indiana, um, Michigan State, Purdue and Wisconsin in some order. Um, Iowa only gets three of those teams, or gets three of those teams only once. Um, now, granted, they go to Wisconsin and they go to Michigan State, but you're only, you know, that's only three of eighteen games that are probable losses there. And even, you know, playing Indiana at home, you know, Ken Palm has that at a forty-eight percent win uh, percentage for Iowa there. So, I mean, that's not even a sure loss. So, I mean, if, if you have, you know. You're playing the the top of the top in the Big Ten only three times, uh, you know. I guess potentially the top three teams only three times, and one of them's at home. Uh, that's a that's a pretty big break, um, I, I think, from the scheduling perspective. And uh, the other thing I just wanted to note is that you know this probably isn't surprising since most consider Iowa a bubble team, but. There are a, are a lot of fifty-fifty type games this year. You know, whether it's a non-conference or conference play. I mean, it's going to be such, uh, you know, splitting hairs um, on the season whether it goes well or whether it goes bad. Um, is that is that something you're excited about, Jerome, uh, or or is that something that uh, uh, invokes you with fear? <laughs>
1: I, I guess I can just – I don't have fear because I don't even know what this team is going to really look like outside of a couple <laughs> players. Um, it's fantastic. I, I think McCaffrey is obviously going to be able to get those guys up and play a team like Wisconsin and Michigan State. They generally always do. The other team that we only play once is Ohio State, which, you know, depending on what those those upperclassmen do this year, I think that's another winnable game. But you're right. It's like on this Ken pounds schedule, it's basically 50-50 – Iowa's favored in the home games and they're not so much favored in the away games. And I think that's probably why he's got them slated at a nine nine conference uh, record right now, which you keep going up and down this thing and you're probably going to agree with them. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's a really good schedule for a young, young inexperienced team. And I, I think we can all agree on that. It's, I just don't know what they're going to be able to do. They can come out and surprise <laughs> us and be a really, really good, young, athletic team. Um, I keep wanting to make this reference to the Flying line team. I know that we're super young and that team was super experienced, but in, in the core group of guys who are all just like six, seven athletes that can just be everywhere on the court all at once and you're just not really sure who's playing what position, um, if Frank can get them to play that type of, with that type of fluidity, these guys are going to win some games on the road. They're going mm-hmm. to be able to upset somebody like Wisconsin and Michigan State, um, maybe even Indiana. I really, truly believe in the fact that McCaffrey's going to have these guys playing a different style of offense that's going to be up and down. He's going to change some things on the fly, unlike the way we've ever seen I would do under him because he was kind of handicapped with a guy like Adam Woodbury. Jared Utah wasn't the fastest guy in the world by any means. He could fill it up, but he wasn't going to be running up and down the break and throwing down on you like some of these athletes that Iowa has currently on the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I I definitely agree. And, you know, one one of the things, too, is that, you know, uh, built into that Ken Palm projected 99 record, uh, just there, I mean, I, you know, I'm just I'm just looking, you know, gauge of the eye. I, I haven't calculated this, but I'm willing to bet, like, 85, 90% of Iowa's Big Ten games this year range from 40 to 60% outcomes or right around there, Um, which to me, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we're favored, you know, 51% outcome. Like, uh, well, yeah, barely. (laughs) For me, I've I've always viewed, you know, 40 to 60, it's a toss-up. You don't really know. It's not a sure game. You know, you may feel good about it, especially if you get the top half of that, uh, you know, 59 or, or something like that, but it, a lot of these games are going to be toss-ups. And the one good thing about that is, you know, if Iowa is just so, so this year, you know, I think Ken Palm has them. Yeah. Ken Palm has them at 55, which would be, you know, so, so, um, they'll probably do all right. They'll probably be in the NIT conversation at least. Um, and if they are a little bit better than that, they can really, really win a lot of games, uh, because of the man of manageable schedule, um, Unfortunately, if they're a little bit worse than that, they can lose a lot of these games and the season can kind of go off the rails. So I, I, I think it'll be very interesting to watch. I, I think it does uh, set up well for Iowa to get in the NCAA tournament conversation. And um, certainly if, if they do trend up, you know, the most difficult games are almost all late in the year. So uh, it, it projects well that way, but, but with that, let, let's get to everybody's favorite section here real quick. And those are the, the season predictions. Um, Jerome, how do you see Iowa finishing this year? Um, you don't have to give a specific record, but kind of what range do you see? And, uh, where do you see them in the big 10 and do they make a postseason tournament? And if so, uh, which one?
1: I think Iowa's right there in that like second tier of big 10 teams with your Michigan Wolverines, uh, Maryland and and then ourselves. Um, (laughs) Northwestern might be there too, but I think that's the second tier. Um, I really do think Iowa's going to be able to figure out a way to get into the NCAA tournament again. I just think these players that we have on this roster are going to be um, athletic enough to be able to push, to get Iowa some of those those 50-50 matchups, like you said. When I saw how many there were we were not even favored by, but we're dogs by 48% in camp. I'm, I was excited because you're right. It is a coin flip. I think that Iowa can get some of those wins, but then on the other turn, they're going to lose some of those other ones that they're probably favored by at home. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think they're going to find a way to get in the NCAA tournament again. I think Peter Jock's going to be, if he's not the big time player of the year, I'm going to be shocked. <clears throat> I think that he's, he's done a lot of work in this offseason. season. Fran McCaffrey is doing everything he can to get him drafted. And these little inklings I keep hearing about him adding a, a type of post offense is just one of those things that, like, you hear from LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, like, oh, you got to get in the post. you got to have some sort of offense down there. And the fact that Peter Jock's already trying to do it so he can score from everywhere on the court um, is just absolutely stunning to me. But, yeah, I think I was going to end up in the NCAA tournament. They're probably, I think you're right on, about sixth or seventh in the Big Ten when it's all said and done. And they're going to play some really inspiring athletic basketball. And then other times they're going to play like freshmen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. You know, I hate to use the the cop out here. Um, I felt like I've used it on one or two already this year, but I'm going to use it again. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think, I think this is a bubble team. I think they're going to be right in that conversation at the end of the season. Um, and it's just, it's so hard for me to sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, they're going to make the tournament because, you know, we just went through how many of these games are going to be toss-ups, how uncertain this roster is. Uh, do, I, do I feel optimistic about Iowa this year? Absolutely. I, I think McCaffrey has a great track record. I think they have talent. I think they certainly have guys who can move around if a spot ends up being weaker than people think. Um, and I, there are more than enough opportunities to build that RPI and to score quality wins. Um, I know they're not facing necessarily the top, top teams in Big Ten play that much, but, you know, when you have matchups with Virginia, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Purdue twice, you know, that's a lot of bulk uh, to the RPI. And, you know, that's not even including, you know, on Iowa State or teams like Ohio State or Michigan or Maryland who can go up and down. Um, so I, I think there's plenty of wins on the resume here. Uh, for Iowa and I I I lean towards I think they're gonna get in and the reason why is is because of that. I, I think they have a shot at adding a lot of marquee wins and you know as well if you look in Big Ten play uh you know maybe the last couple of years I would say Ken Pom has overrated the Big Ten a little bit in preseason predictions. Um and that certainly has showed out during the course of the season but um you know, there's only one team in the Big Ten this year that I I want to say is projected outside the top 100, and that's, yep, and that's Rutgers. You know, Penn State's at yep. 98. So, I mean, which, first off, yay, Rutgers. Go Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, you know, so you're not going to have those – theoretically, you're not going to have those RPI just dungeon games that can kill your uh, season. So, I, I think that's one uh, hidden – uh positive to this season for the bubble teams in the Big Ten. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this team's going to be on the bubble. I, I think you're right. I think Jock's going to be right in that player of the year conversation. I don't know if I'm ready to, to pick him as player of the year at this point, but uh, I certainly anticipate he'll be on the All-Big Ten team and, and right there. Um, Cook, I think he'll be right in the conversation for All-Big Ten freshman uh, team. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot to be excited about. Maybe the team doesn't quite have enough of that experience and, and depth to, to reach the season goals this year. But I think this could be the start of an uh, interesting next couple of years uh, for, for Iowa hoops. Um, but, yeah, uh, Jerome, well, I, I don't want to hold you anymore in this uh, very early morning podcast. But uh, you, you have any final thoughts here on, on Hawkeyes basketball or, or the Big Ten? Just go for Animal House. We're, we're
1: doing this thing. <laughs> No, but going back on your report real quick about the Big Ten, there, there's going to be five teams that are going to be ranked all season long, um, maybe even six if Michigan can uh, kind of jump in there too. But you're right, the Big Ten seems to have a solid, you know, one through Rutgers or one through Penn State. <laughs> Penn State's going to be playing some inspired basketball. they got some really good freshmen coming in too. So they're by no means, yes, they play in the graveyard, but they're not going to look like a graveyard-type team anymore. Um, Pat Chambers done a really good job with that that uh that roster. So yeah, I think you know if Iowa can just nine and nine, it's got to be the it's got to be the record. They have to be going for nine and nine. Yeah, yeah, I
0: agree. I I think uh, unless they steal some non-conference games, I I think nine and nine or better is probably what you're going to need. Um, or obviously you know do some damage in the Big Ten tournament. But but yeah, I agree. It, it should be an interesting season and and should be a lot of fun. But. Um, I, I would be uh, doing a disservice to our listeners, though, without asking you at least about uh, Iowa football and, and what's going to go down this weekend. Uh, what, do you, what do you expect about the Hawkeyes? Uh, I believe they're on the road against Penn State.
1: They are on the road at Penn State. They're going up to Happy Valley. Last time they were there, or one of the biggest moments of my, you know, my actual undergrad at Iowa is when Adrian Claiborne, um, went rumbling, stumbling, bumbling into the, into the end zone. Um, I don't know, man, what's going on with this football team. They they, they don't want to recruit anymore. Old Kirk's back and rumpier <laughs> than ever. Greg Davis is apparently just now thinking about putting Akram Wadley in the slot and playing um, both running backs together. If they win, great. If they don't, I'm not shocked. <laughs> it's just,
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and i i will add penn state has certainly trended up a lot this year um I, I remember going to the game when not to get off track here but uh when michigan played them earlier this year and i was like oh my gosh penn state must be terrible <laughs> like michigan beat them like by like 39 points or something but uh yeah they've they've improved a lot so uh that that should be an interesting game in the old uh big 10 race uh i guess i guess it has east and west implications there but uh I will be looking forward to the Michigan Iowa game next weekend. I, I will add that, oh, but uh,
1: <laughs> I can't wait to see Harbaugh in Iowa city again. He's going to enjoy that pink locker room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it should be a lot of fun, but, uh, but Jerome, thanks for joining us. And, and we appreciate you uh, coming out so early in the morning.
1: You got it, Thomas. Thank you so much, man.
0: <laughs> thanks. Um, as a reminder to everyone, that was uh Jerome Sherwin. He writes for BT powerhouse, uh, his Iowa preview, hopefully is coming up later today uh, actually. And, and this is a, uh, you know, friday uh, november 4th sorry um yeah still thinking it's october apparently but uh but with that my name is thomas bendit i'm the manager and host of the bt powerhouse podcast um you can follow me on twitter at t bendit um a lot of great stuff coming up on bt powerhouse all the rest of our previews will be out in the next few days um in our preseason big Ten predictions uh galore so definitely give it a read definitely check it out and Thank you all for for listening and hopefully we'll have some more podcasts here in the next couple of days. Thanks again.